Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 224. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to review and discuss 1972's Now You See Him, Now You Don't, the sequel to The Computer War Tennis Shoes. Admittedly, this is not what we had planned for this week, but when we did The Computer War Tennis Shoes for What the February, and we found out that there was not one, but two sequels to that film, we quickly pivoted because curiosity bit us, and there was no way we were not going to discuss the sequels to The Computer War Tennis Shoes. What is this we and us that you're talking about. This is just like an extension of what the February, and I'm not okay with it. I'm speaking French. I've never even heard of Now You See Him, Now You Don't. The third film, The Strongest Man in the World, or The Strongest Man Alive, whatever the title is, obviously we're going to review it next week. I had seen that one on Disney+. Plus. But I think I had said when we reviewed uh, Computer War Tennis Shoes, I had no idea that that was a sequel. I thought that this was just a studio contract that, um, you know, uh, Kurt Russell had been stuck in and they were just th throwing out cheap movies and casting him. And I thought maybe he'd been typecast. But, uh, like, I, I am so invested in this now. Because it's a thing. It is a thing. But The Strongest Man in the World, or whatever the title is, that comes up under suggested films after you watch computer war tennis shoes so that's how i found out about that and then i found out it was a quote-unquote trilogy when i was looking on imdb um and i saw that caesar romero played aj arno not once not twice but three times and there's a reason though that this one doesn't come up on disney plus is because it's actually not on that also sort of piqued our interest because we were like oh, is there a reason they pulled it? Is there like something offensive? Is this film getting buried? I'm not sure of the reason. I, I mean, there's nothing offensive about this film other than, spoiler alert, it's not great. Um, but this one, if you have a Roku and you search for it, you will be able to find Now You See Him, Now You Don't for free. Yeah, it's, on, it's buried on one of those you know free movie free tv channels. it's not pluto it's like tubi or something i think i i don't even know. i think it was free movies.tv something that like i never would have put on the television set had we not done it for the exclusive purpose of watching this film to discuss it now was this worth downloading this app which i will inevitably delete off of our television set should it stay buried where it was, or does it deserve a proper home on Disney Plus? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by Fierce Fox Co., designers of handmade silkscreen shirts. Fierce Fox has a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or crew neck for every fandom. So whether it's the movies or theme parks, princesses or villains, the MCU or Star Wars, everyone will find something they love. The designs range from subtle quotes from our favorite films to iconic characters we can wear proudly in so many different styles, such as sketchbook and concert tees. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 20% discount using the code MONOREAL at checkout. Visit FierceFoxDesignCo.com to check out all of the collections. At Medfield College, financial struggles have again led to Dean Higgins shortchanging the science department. Jeez. Professor Lufkin later shows Higgins around the creative lab to show him the experiments that the students are working on and tells him that there is a $50,000 prize up for grabs. And Dexter shows him an invisibility solution that he has been working on. That night, the lab is struck by lightning, destroying Dexter's work. Meanwhile, A.J. Arno arrives fresh out of jail to tell Dean Higgins that he has bought the school's mortgage and that they can pay it whenever they want, but Dexter doesn't trust him. Dexter then sees that while his work was destroyed... The lightning sent a charge into his formula, making his invisibility solution a success, much to the shock of classmates Debbie and Skyler. Suspicious of Arno, Dexter and Skyler use the solution to turn themselves individual, uh, in invisible, I don't know where I got individual from, and spy on him, and they quickly learn that Arno has bought the school to close it and turn it into a gambling complex. 
How original. (laughs) Uh, How on brand. Yeah. Arno nearly catches them as he sees Skylar's shoes after he gets them wet, turning them visible. The next day, they they show Dean Higgins photos of Arno's plans, so they tell him that they can try to win the uh, the $50,000 Forsyth contest prize, but he tells them that they weren't invited, and he goes to speak to Mr. Forsyth in person to convince him to let Medfield into the contest. He invites Higgins to play golf, so Skylar and Dexter tag along to help Higgins with his golf game. Dexter, now invisible, helps Higgins impress Forsyth on the golf course, and Medfield gets invited into the contest. Arno later sees Dexter rinse the solution off and become visible again. When Dean Higgins gets invited to a Pro-Am Invitational for $50,000, he plays without Dexter's help and is shown to be a fraud. When Higgins' prized student... Druffle drops out of his bee experiment upon learning that he is allergic to them. It all comes down to Dexter and his solution. That night, Arno sends his henchman Cookie to spy on the boys, and upon learning that the invisibility formula is real, instructs Cookie to steal the spray and replace it with water. Forsyth arrives at Medfield to judge Dexter's experiment. However, Dexter is unable to turn Skylar invisible, and Forsyth storms out, uh, infuriating Higgins. Dexter, Skylar, and Debbie realize that Arno and Cookie have stolen the solution, so they bug his office to learn more. They learn that Arno and Cookie intend to turn invisible to rob the Medfield bank, but when they try to warn the bank, no one will listen. Arno and Cookie rob the bank and are chased after by Dexter and his friends. They spray the car invisible and are now running from both Dexter and the police. They crash into a swimming pool, making the car, the money, and themselves visible, leading to their arrest. Dexter takes the solution and goes to the Forsyth Award Ceremony. He accidentally sprays Dean Higgins, who turns partially invisible, leading to Medfield winning the $50,000 prize and bailing them out for now. <laughs> Before we get into it, there's actually something I forgot to tell you about computer or tennis shoes. While I was doing research on this film i don't know how this came up and it didn't when we reviewed computer or tennis shoes they actually remade that in 1995 with kurt cameron as dexter riley we have to find this it's got to be on youtube somewhere yeah i don't think it's on disney plus i believe they did it as a decom we have to find but it would have come up we've got certainly after watching all of these like back to back it it is going to be a mission of mine <laughs> to find it. I'm not. I don't think we're going to review it anytime soon because we kind of have a packed slate, and I'm not moving anything else to talk about. Kirk Cameron's computer wore tennis shoes. That might be a what the February for 2024. We'll have to wait and see. But if anyone knows where to find it, please do let us know because I know that there are a lot of decom aficionados who who listen and. Uh, there's a couple of our listeners who always make decom recommendations. So if you have seen this and you know where to find it, please let us know. Okay, talking about remakes, this film from the beginning feels like a remake of its predecessor. It doesn't feel like a sequel from the very beginning. It feels like a remake. I can't believe they just unabashedly did a straight retread of, oh no, the budget's in trouble again. Like, has nobody checked on Higgins has nobody done a background check on this guy that he can't keep a budget straight for this college and not just that but he hates Dexter again why does he hate Dexter Riley the golden boy the computer who won them that hundred thousand dollars uh what was it academic or scholastic challenge or whatever it was that game show brought him national international notoriety was on the front page of the papers was all over television traveled to the un spoke a hundred languages the golden goose that was going to save medfield he hates him again why why no, this this started the grand tradition of Disney just forgetting all of the groundwork that they laid and not building off of it in a sequel. The only thing that they have improved at this point is that the walkie is much better concealed in the flowers than the first one. That's it. But otherwise, 
it you may you may as well have just taken the opening scene from the computer war tennis shoes and inserted it here because it's literally the same exact thing. I am just very concerned though that they squandered a hundred thousand dollars and now they need to come up with another fifty grand. And it also doesn't make sense because this is fifty grand for a mortgage. Yeah, I, you. I don't know. I, it's. Uh, it, it, it like you had you thought it a good idea to make a sequel to the computer war tennis shoes yet you didn't actually have an idea for a sequel because other than the difference between this and the computer war tennis shoes is that in the first film Dexter is electrocuted yes and turns into a computer in this case he turns invisible. But it's Medfield College shortchanging the science department up against A.J. Arno, who's got his gambling scheme, and they need prize money to keep, to keep the school afloat and to separate themselves from the state college. It's the same movie twice. I can almost guarantee that if you wanted to shorten your plot down for next week, that you could sum it up in those three sentences. What this film does do successfully is it becomes more self-aware because in the opening scene, Higgins calls out, every time we have a meeting, they have a gathering outside. <laughs> you know, so at least they kind of call themselves out on it in that regard that they are setting up this film and doing an exact retread of the first one. Also, how is AJ Arno back? I mean, I think he sort of implies that he paid off the judge, that he paid off the police, and that's how he got out because he's like, oh, judges, lawyers, police, they all make mistakes. It's fine. Nice to see you kids. But he acts, but I love it in a way. Because he never out and out says that he bribed anybody, but you kind of figured that that's what he's doing. And he's still so slimy because he's still buddying up to these kids that ultimately got him arrested the first time. So I love that A.J. Arno is exactly the same, but it defies logic that he would be out of jail. I mean, yes, but I can almost give that a pass because... I would buy that he has the resources and the people working for him that would be able to get him out. So that actually gets a pass from me. What I bump on, though, is that, you know, you, you touched on it before that Higgins has no respect for Dexter anymore. You know, I'll buy that he always has sort of an angle because that's where the comedy is coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, that he's always kind of like wheeling and dealing because he does need the money. Right. Um, it's actually, now that I'm thinking about it, he's a very good parallel to Arno because Arno always has the money and he's always looking for more, but Higgins can never manage to keep it. Right. So that is kind of an interesting dynamic, but um, that's the point that I was getting to is that after every everything that Dexter did for Medfield to get the money the first time Higgins has no respect for him. And then he gets back in bed with Arno after he kidnapped a student and then tried to kill that student. That's the part that I can't get past. I'll buy that he's out of jail, but not that Higgins would put Dexter in this position again. Because it's the same movie twice. Um, which leads to my next one. Like, what is with this lab? What is it about this lab, this creative lab, that there's always something happening? A flood, a lightning strike. Like, I mean, for what it's worth, this lends to the idea that Medfield needs money because there is obviously something wrong with this building that they just can't get right. But there is something specific about this lab that there is always, like, an act of God that turns the experiments upside down. Oh, that's right. Because it's the same movie twice. I'm not going to give the writing a pass for doing a straight retread. However, it would be helpful to know where Medfield is. I mean, I think 
our default setting is to assume it's in California because they are once again shooting on the Disney Studios lot in Burbank. Um, but I'll buy that of California because it's so unfortunate what's happening right now with the flooding and the mudslides. Um, you know, just it's by pure coincidence that we're reviewing this now, but like I actually would kind of buy that depending on where their geography is, that this could be happening again. What I do sort of question though, are the changes with Dexter's character because in the computer wore tennis shoes, what happened to him was an accident. Even though he still cared enough about the program to want the computer lab to do well and he wanted to see the budget help his class, um, he was never a huge intellectual. The intellect came from the zap. So right. now we're supposed to buy into him as this really smart, very studious science student. Right, he was on academic probation in the first film. Right, so now all of a sudden he's this genius. And I would sort of buy that people are taking him more seriously in that regard after what happened. But we're led to believe that all of the intellect was washed away at the end of the first one. So it's like now all of a sudden he's supposed to be this genius. Um so it's not, while it's not true to the character, what I do like is that they broke invisibility down in a way that's very much believable as far as creating a solution um, that would block light or the lights going past it so you don't see the object that's under the solution. It, it very much made sense. And I was like, all right, I'll buy it for this world. It made much more sense than what they did with the computer in his head and showing the gears animated in the first one. Yeah. Like there was some, like, of course this could never actually happen, but you don't know that. Well, there was at least, there was some scientific research done to at least kind of explain how it could be possible whereas the computer wore tennis shoes, is far more fantastical. And it didn't need to be more than fantastical. He gets electrocuted while touching a computer and zappies a computer. Like, it, that was fine. We didn't need much more explanation than that. It's a movie. You do have to suspend a bit of reality when you go into a movie. Welp welcoming in somebody who has attempted murder on your students in the past, that you really can't look past. But getting struck by lightning and becoming, you know... We're willing to look past the fact that Peter Parker is bitten by a spider and becomes Spider-Man. I can look past some things in films, but not so much in this case. Um, but I like the invisibility effects. It's decent practical effects for what they pulled off. It's a bit of a step up from what you saw in the computer war tennis shoes because this film is coming three years later. So they have advanced a little bit in the world of special effects. But the more and the thing is, like for this movie's warts, I like the effects in this movie more than the effects that are coming out in most films now, Disney specifically, because you all know how we feel about Disney and their CGI. Yeah, I'll agree with that. The sight gags throughout this film are are actually really great. Some of the I don't think they're using green screen yet. I still think they're doing the Mary Poppins sodium vapors route. Um, it doesn't look very clean, like when they make fingers disappear or when they're wiping out body parts. Um, but I think that's definitely forgivable considering the time and the technology they had. But otherwise, everything else that was done practically was great. And that's what I mean by the way that they explain invisibility in the way that it's going to be used in this film, it totally makes sense and it works. It's certainly much more, and I, and I guess that comes from there just being more visuals to work with. It's just so much more well done than the computer wore tennis shoes because it's happening externally. There's more to see rather than just them trying to convey what's going on in Dexter's mind. So... You see Dexter and Skyler use the solution. They go into Arno's office because Arno has given himself an office on campus because he technically owns the mortgage to the school. Ipso facto, he owns the school, right? But he doesn't hide exactly what he's going to do. He's got the model for his gambling complex 
on a table in his office at the school that he's about to backstab. So we have to learn that he's going to do this. So, all right, like right, I'll look past it as on the nose as it is. But I got to give Arno credit for sticking to it. I think it says an awful lot about the uh, local government in California that you would grant a gambling <laughs> license to somebody who was arrested for running an illegal gambling scheme. But, uh, I, I mean, at least he's consistent, if nothing else. I want to talk about this model because this is a Walt Disney level model that we are seeing. It looks like the early model of Epcot that we see on the People Mover with lights and that level of detail. Um, But he, Arno is, he has a plan for the entire campus. It's not like he's putting a casino there. There's a dog track, which is like mind blowing to even hear them say at this point. Uh, then there's a huge casino building. I, I mean, they really did. I, I'm wondering if they took the um, the blueprint for the Disney studio and actually used that to scale because there's just so much here. All I know is that, I'll be honest with you, looks like a great place to hang out. Like, <laughs> I've never met a casino that I didn't like or a racetrack that I didn't like. This seems like a great place to spend at least a weekend. The only thing he was missing was a hotel. We don't know what was in that casino. It might have been both. But the building was large enough. I like the scene in the office. Again, the practical effects are great. Cesar Romero really sells it really well. Um, yeah. Well, what's I, not to sell? He whips out a gun. Yeah, because he hasn't figured out that he can't just pull a gun out and start firing at students. Oh, but he, I mean, I guess he learned that he can because if he goes back to jail, he's just going to get out anyway. And then Higgins is going to be like, oh, I need the money. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's just what it is at this point. Like, he doesn't care. But yeah, same. uh, It's it's all the same. It is. It's the only difference between this and the computer wore tennis shoes is he did everything in the computer wore tennis shoes behind a curtain. In this case, he's doing everything out in the open. Right. But the sight gags here are top notch. Even just, you know, the simple things like Dexter and Skylar pulling the file out of the filing cabinet. It looks so seamless. And um, what starts out as feeling really hokey that the shoes get wet. And I, I, they call them tennis shoes. They're converse. But I like the wink and the nod. They call them tennis shoes. It seems like a very hokey bit at first that the shoes are the only thing that's visible, but it works throughout this scene really, really well. And it's just so well done. Let's talk about something that does not work. Because this is the same movie twice. It defies logic to me that after what happens in the first film, for all of that notoriety that I just went on about, what, five or ten minutes ago, that... Medfield would not be taken seriously. We're back to Medfield not being taken seriously, being too small to be invited into the Forsyth contest for being a laughingstock of academia. It makes no sense that after everything that happened in the first film, we're back to square one for literally no reason. There is no explanation for why any of this is happening. Right, because Dexter put them on the map what would have been helpful here was some sort of throwaway line is that Dexter that nobody believed him that they all wrote it off as oh well it was the computer the whole time so here take this test without it and then if he flunked it or just didn't perform well or performed average that would make so much sense as to why Medfield had fallen from grace and Higgins no longer respects him they should have set that up in the beginning that could have been like your opening scene yeah like the whole the whole scholastic program there is disgraced because Dexter turns out to be a fraud and now that's why Dexter has gotten into science instead of computers because he is trying to t- get everyone to take himself seriously it's ghostbusters too Literally, that's that's how you could have set this up was for, you know, X, Y and Z reasons. You are now being painted as a fraud and you've fallen on hard times and you've stooped so low as to doing children's birthday parties to pay the rent. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a way for them to set it up. And it's just a swing and a miss because we're acting as if everything that happened in the first film 
happened. And, and so it would make no sense why they would be back to square one. You can make a point for Higgins does not know how to handle finances. That's fine. You could even make the case for, well, the $100,000 floated them, but they were so far behind because they weren't taken seriously for so long that now they've burned through all of the money and they have nowhere else to go. That would have made sense. The fact that no one takes them seriously is the problem that I have with this. Right. But with all of that said, the golf course scene, because now Higgins is invited by Forsyth to go play golf because he's trying to get Medfield into the contest. But this is with Druffles. They're still on Druffle at this point. With the Bumblebee experiment. Yes. So... Like, I think the golf scene is actually very funny. I think it's funny that Dexter uses the invisibility solution to help Higgins in his golf game. Because if you don't play golf, there are certain things that were actually well done in this scene that you probably wouldn't pick up on. For example, Higgins is not holding the club properly. His hands are reversed. Uh, He's swinging right-handed, but he's using a left-handed grip. His golf ball is a range ball. It's it, You'd only use it on a driving range. You know that because it's got the range stripe on it because they're not meant to be used in regular play. So, like, making him out to be completely clueless, other than the fact that he goes, well, it's the same as mini golf, but longer. Those little touches, I think, are underappreciated, and I think they're very good, and I think that it does a fairly good job of bringing that entire scene together. Yeah, I mean, you kind of knew immediately where this was all going when everybody's saying, but you don't know how to play golf. And he's like, it's the same as mini golf. It'll be fine. You know Dexter is going to turn invisible and help him and make him look like this amazing golfer. Um, I actually also really like what this does for Higgins' character because it is his ego getting in the way the entire time. So you know he's going to make a total fool of himself unless Dexter helps him. Here's the only thing that I sort of bump on is that obviously Dexter turns invisible and is moving the ball around. I thought there might be more sight gags of him um, interfering with other people's shots to to push Higgins through. Um, But it's really all Dexter just helping him get immediate holes in one. So I wish they would have pulled back a little bit on that and that Higgins didn't golf like a perfect game so that Dexter made him look good, but not too good where it's believable. What I really take issue with though is Skylar not knowing the game as his caddy because it really adds nothing. Both Skylar and Dexter should be teaming up and doing everything in their power to make Higgins look good at this point. So having Skylar know about as much as Higgins, it it just doesn't do anything for the comedy. No, I feel like they tried more in this film to make this into a buddy film mm. than they did in the first because Dexter kind of, you know, he ostracized himself from that group of friends. And we debated whether that was Dexter or the computer that was doing it. I feel like they tried to fix that here. And you're right. I don't think it was necessary to do so. I'm actually going to disagree with you there because the other point that I was going to make is that the golf game does feel like it starts to drag a little bit. The sight gags are very cool, but it does go a little bit long. But I think to your point, if they had put the buddy movie more at the forefront here where Skylar and Dexter were working together... Um, I mean, they are working together for the same goal as far as helping Higgins, but they're not doing anything in tandem. Um, there's a couple of times that Dexter whispers to Skylar, but they're not really doing anything to pull off a trick shot together uh, that's going to make Higgins look good. Um, so I feel like that added layer of the buddy story, had they leaned into it a little bit more in this scene, would have been a lot more effective. Especially because if you are going for the buddy movie, Dexter treats Skylar like total garbage 
throughout this film. You know, they weren't really that tight in the first one. It was just that they were on the same team. And I made a point of saying this when we reviewed The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes is that Skyler gives the final answer that allows Medfield to win because he's like, oh, remember Dexter? I told you about this. My uncle lives near there. And I was like, I've never seen you talk to Dexter this entire time. So we don't we we do not have anything that lays the groundwork to this friendship at all whatsoever. Um, but I just feel like Dexter is very mean to him throughout. Like Skylar says, I don't want to go in. Invi- like he's very nervous about going invisible. And then, you know, after he does it and he gets a little bit of confidence, he's like, I don't want to do it. I have a date. And Dexter just sprays him down, like doesn't listen to the protest at all. And then towards the end of the film, um, when they're trying to I don't want to get too far ahead here, but when they're trying to bust up the bank robbery with the water, he's like screaming at Skylar. And I just feel like he's being so mean. So the buddy element gets completely lost. And I really wish that they had done more with it, especially because you've eliminated what the computer wore tennis shoes did successfully in that they had that subplot going where the state college was also coming after Medfield here. It's just everybody on the a story against Arno. There is no B story. Speaking of the state college though, there is a horrific edit at the end of this golf scene. Yes. Because Collingsworth is playing with Higgins and Forsyth. And when Higgins has one of these unbelievable shots to end his round, they're all jumping up and down and, you know, rubbing his shoulders and shaking his hand. Collingsgood is doing I think I called him Collingsworth before. Collingsgood is doing it. And then literally in the next cut, not even the next scene, in the next cut, Collingswood is like rubbing his own temples and shaking his head. So how do you go from shaking his hand and rubbing his shoulders to in the next cut? having your hands on your head, knowing that you're in trouble again. It's a horrific edit. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if they were trying to play the scene two ways and then they just didn't have enough footage to cover it when they made the decision of which way it was going to go. But yeah, it, it is an eyesore. As is the scene that follows it. Because we all know that Higgins can't really play golf, right? He gets invited to this $50,000 Pro-Am Invitational with Pro-Billy Casper. And all we need to know is that he got invited and Dexter can't join him. And it could just be like the comedy of the unknown, but we really know what happened because we know he's about to be disgraced. And because they end up watching it on TV. So we do see it play out. But we see too much of it. Yes. You you know he's going to fail. It could just as been something as funny as, I'm going to play golf with Billy Casper to win the 50000 And Dexter just has like that hands on his head, no moment. And then he gets disgraced and you hear about it later. It could be a throwaway line. It could be them watching. It could be them watching the tournament on television. And it could be like at the end of the round, like here's what they shot. And you because you know what's going to happen. I don't think we needed to see it play out. As funny as it kind of was, I actually think that it dragged on for way too long. I think it killed the pace of the movie. And I think because we saw so much of the failure, it took away from some of the comedy that was good in the scene that preceded it. I would agree with that. I honestly think the whole reason that they included it. So the setup here is that Dexter gets home. By the way, he lives across from the absent-minded professor on the Disney lot. Uh, and, and, uh, Druffle, Druffer, Druffle lives with I was going to call him Drummel. <laughs> Druffle yeah, lives with him now. That's his roommate apparently. Um, so he tells him that Skylar called and he's like, you got to get to the airport. Higgins is going to play golf. And then you have your oh no moment. Um, but I think the whole reason they do this is for the scene where Dexter in his convertible is chasing the plane down the runway. It looks cool. It drags on for far too long, and you're right. It We don't need to see all of that play out. It's just too much. We get past that, and now you have the scene where Arno sends Cookie, dressed as a janitor, to spy on all of them. Wait, speaking of spying, we did jump ahead a little bit. Okay. After this golf game... 
Dexter goes to shower off because you have to, the water will dissolve the invisibility solution. So in this scene, Arno has not only kidnapped and attempted to kill Dexter in computer or tennis shoes, now he watches Dexter in the shower. It's the least egregious thing that this movie does. Well, I mean, it's not like a salacious thing because Dexter comes out of the shower fully clothed because that's that's the other bit here is that if your shoes get the or um, if your clothes get the solution, everything will disappear. So theoretically, you have to wash your clothes, too. But the fact that Arno is just in the guy's locker room watching him shower, it's just so awkward. Like this man has done enough. So with that said, he sends Cookie to go spy on them, right? And Cookie is dressed as a janitor, and he sees exactly what's going on, and he goes back to Arno, and Arno tells him, go and steal the solution, right? And that's how they get it to set up this bank robbery. And there's a line that Dexter says later, because now Forsyth comes, they plan on showing off the solution in the experiment, and Dexter sprays Skyler in front of, Forsyth in front of Higgins and it doesn't work. I actually really love this scene because of Skylar's delivery. Yes. Where it's like, you can see now that the ball is floating in the air, but I am actually holding it, but he hasn't actually disappeared. It his delivery just makes the scene what it is. It's one of the very legitimate funny scenes in the film. It's very well done. So the reason why it doesn't work, as I just said, is because Cookie steals the solution. And Dexter has this moment of realization when he asks the other janitor, who is the janitor here on Tuesday night? There is no other janitor. And Dexter looks at Debbie and Skylar and goes, I knew I recognized that face. That's one of the henchmen. Dexter. You, he goes, that's his chauffeur. You not only spent time at the racetrack with them at Hollywood Park, you spent a night in jail with this man, who, by the way, let me remind you, had the best line in the entire film. How in the world did you not recognize him from the start? Well, here's where it gets very confusing. Because I thought the same thing. Cookie is the same actor playing a different character. Cookie was not his name in Computer War Tennis Shoes. Here, he's supposed to be Arno's nephew through marriage. Because they do have that throwaway line of, oh, sometimes I forget you're my sister's kid. Or whatever it is. Because... I I started thinking the same thing and I was like, why did they dumb down this character so much? Especially in the first one, they built him up to have his own subplot where he yeah. says he's looking out for himself and everybody has to look out for himself. So I was like, I realized that we have completely thrown the first film out the window at this point. But I realized that it was very confusing that they recycled the actor but made him play a different part. But they made him play the same exact part. It's well, just yeah, because he's his still name. the right-hand man. So that's why, yeah, I wish he embodied a little bit more of his character in Computer Work Tennis Shoes. What a, where what a mess. Where he has his own agency and he's thinking on his feet and thinking for himself. Yeah, because when he has that night with Dexter and that night in jail, he's trying to convince Dexter that the two of them should break away from Arno. And that they should go into this little gambling empire themselves. And that they should do it on their own. Yeah, and if it's if it's not confusing enough, it's Cookie in this movie and Chili in the first one. What a... <laughs> let's, let's move on from this. Um, He's going to be muffin by the next one. Yeah, he might be. Um, or maybe Hot Dog. Are they naming him after all of Walt's favorite foods? I don't know. <laughs> Scotch? Maybe. That's fine. Marlboro Lights. Anything. So now you have Arno comes up with this idea that they're going to spray themselves, himself and Cookie, invisible, to rob the Medfield Bank. And they're also going to spray the money bags so that they can just walk everything out the door without being seen. Makes total sense. Um, 
but what doesn't really add up to me is that the police basically tell Arno, here's the best time to rob a bank, Mr. Arno, because here's when we're carrying the most money. It's on Fridays in the afternoon because people are cashing their paychecks. This like <laughs> what's happening? The here? whole scene is one long keep the beaches open because y- yes. then Dexter tries to tell the bank president what's going to happen and he believes him for like a second and then they bring the invisibility into play and everything goes out the window. Which, that I understand. If somebody comes and says, I got this fluid, you see, and it's going to spray and it's going to make somebody invisible. Okay, I understand that you're going to think that the kid's out of his mind. But the fact that, like, we're just going to gleefully hand criminal information over to Arno when everybody knows what he has done. It's... Just add it to the list of things that just don't make sense. It also could have played for comedy so much better if if the bank president had believed Dexter and Dexter left out the invisibility entirely and it was just keep an eye out. And the guy's like, all right, thanks for the tip. He does tell security, go tell all the tellers to just watch out. And then the invisibility started happening. And the tellers are like, oh, something is awry, but they don't want to go tell their boss, you know, there's money being stolen, but I can't see what's happening right now. I can't see the person. There's bags of money floating in the air. You could have leaned into the comedy so much of everybody being clueless. Yeah. The success, though, is the payoff because the visual of the driverless car And all of the practical effects that they have when the car becomes invisible. Crashing through fences, gazebos, people diving out of the way. Fire hydrant, the dirt road that kicks up the dirt. Yes! The special effects are so good. I I get so angry. (laughs) Damn it, Disney. Just stop with the computer crap. Like, this is the stuff. This was 1972. Ooh, at the time of this recording, this movie is 51 years old. They crashed a police car into an invisible car, and it looks incredible. The, The effect is amazing. The edit is perfect. It's just so freaking well done. This scene... I think, in terms of being visually impressive, this is much better than any of the scenes that we saw in Computer War Tennis Shoes. Obviously, it's very different. The special effects in Computer War Tennis Shoes are mostly just the animation when you see the gears in Dexter's ears, eyes, whatever they're looking into because the jury's still out on what they're looking at. But the visual effects here are just so good. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I- I'm wondering if that's why they thought that this was worth doing is because they realized sort of their mistakes with the first one where you have Dexter internalizing this power and now it's an external thing and you can see so much more and do so much more with it. And they really did. Um, the end of the car chase is just as great, too, because it goes through the neighborhood. It goes through the absent-minded professor's house and garage. Um, and then it lands in a neighbor's pool. The car in the pool is fantastic. You didn't need a helicopter in this film to pull off a great sight gag. It was excellent. And then the film concludes with Higgins stepping in the way as uh, Skyler is about to be sprayed by Dexter because uh, they're about to hand out the prize money and and they get their last minute in- entry. And that's another great sort of prank funny moment where they couldn't rely on Druffle's experiment anymore because he was allergic to bee stings. The entire time he's been staging the bees and then once it was time to do it with actual bees, you find out that he's horribly allergic. Like 
Thomas J. allergic in My Girl. This should have killed him. It's a great visual, though, when Higgins, because Higgins is only half invisible. His bottom half is still visible, so his bottom half is walking. You can't see the top half. And then they, you know, they're, of course, awarded the money. And they literally call out, well, this is great. This floats us for another year, but then what are we going to do? And Dexter's like, I'll just figure it out next year. So they call out that they're going to do the trilogy. I love that it is that self-aware. This is the only time where the movie is that self-aware where it harkens back to the first film because they call it out. But it's it's a good visual, and I did kind of... I laughed to myself when they call out the fact that, well, we're going to squander this money, so we're going to have to do it again. I don't know that they're going to squander the money, though, because on the rare occasion that this film does have some good dialogue, they have been very clear about the $50,000 will clear the mortgage debt, and that's it. So... If they're breaking even, I wouldn't call that squandering the money because they're not going to, uh, unless that's the goof, is that Higgins doesn't put everything towards that debt and he does misspend it. Um, My bigger issue with this scene, though, is that Dexter has discovered invisibility. He didn't get struck by lightning this time and have some miracle happen to him. He made a huge scientific discovery, and I feel like it deserves a lot more fanfare. Like, this would make sense where he's swept away on a jet and, you know, visiting all these other countries. This is like a huge life-changing thing. And instead it gets buried in, like, somebody's backyard and, oh, here's your check for $50,000. $50,000 less than he won for getting zapped. I feel like there just should have been a bigger deal made out of this. However, at the same time, it is the end of the movie, so what are you going to do? I mean, had they put the end credits, because again, the long credits are up over the beginning of this film. If they had just done a proper end credits, they could have had all of your headlines um, to show what Dexter did with this invisibility. And now you've got all the attention back on Medfield again because your student conceptualized this. And I I feel like they just missed the mark because, again, you bothered to do all of this when in the first one, it was just something that happened to Dexter and he harnessed it. Now, I I mean, this is like brilliance that he came up with this concept and nobody seems to care. Final thoughts on now you see him, now you don't. I'll go first. Um It was better than I anticipated it was going to be, but that's because I had the bar set so low. I liked the computer wore tennis shoes. And I said, some of it was ahead of its time. Some of it's going to feel dated. It's a movie I would go back and rewatch, but it's not something that's going to be in regular rotation. But I liked it, and it really didn't deserve, outside of the title, it didn't deserve a What the February. It didn't deserve a WTF. So this was better than I anticipated, but the complete lack of awareness for the first film is what takes me out of it. The fact that it's more or less the first movie, but with invisibility instead of computer brilliance completely takes me out of it. They just don't step backwards. They hit a complete reset with every single character, and yet they don't have to reintroduce any of them because we know who all of these characters are. And it's just very weird, and it's just very off-putting. So, better than I thought it was going to be, but for not for the reasons I thought I would enjoy it. Um, I actually think I liked this better than The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, because it did address a lot of the issues I had with the first one, in that, you know, I've said it a couple of times, that, like, They just didn't do a good job of showing what Dexter was actually going through because the look inside his head was very clunky and all that was happening was that he was spitting out information and then as he starts to break down, he's speaking very slowly and it it just really didn't work because we never got enough of his POV to like really experience what he was going through. And it was all about Medfield, Medfield, Medfield here because there was so much more you could do visually. 
I think it was just so much better. Um, they really leaned into using the sight gags to their favor. All of the practical effects were wonderful. Um, the dialogue was clunky. If you do put it up against the foundation that was set in computer or tennis shoes, yes, I'm going to dock it a lot of points uh, for completely eliminating any story that you built there. Um, but I'll definitely say I think that this is worth a watch, more so than the computer or tennis shoes, just for this era, to see the Disney studios to see the back lot with the absent-minded professor's house and a lot of where this chase scene goes through. Um, and to see how they did some of these practical effects. I think that you'll appreciate this film more for the Disney history than for what it is. Should it be on Disney plus? I think the answer is yes. I think obviously it was licensed out and it was probably something that Disney didn't mind licensing out because I'm sure they did it cheaply. It's not a title that has a lot of demand. But I think that if you're going to have the first film and you're going to have the third film, you may as well have the second film. Right. I think it makes no sense that it's not there. But I assume that it's going to be back on Disney Plus sooner rather than later. It just doesn't make sense why it's not on both. Like when you're licensing, when you license it out, it can't also be on Disney Plus too. I can understand if you're doing this with like a Marvel film. Which, speaking of, it blows my mind if we're talking about sequels to watch Kurt Russell in this, and then I just watched Guardians two the other day to see him as ego. It's just mind boggling to see. I mean, obviously, years have passed, and he's a much better actor now, but just to see these two characters pit up against each other like this, it's hysterical. We want to know what you have to say about Now You See Him, Now You Don't. Have you seen it? Are you interested in finding it now? You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up, but first, a quick break. When we were planning our first family trip to Disney World, uh, Jackie was the first person that we thought of. Jackie helped us with every step of the planning. She helped us pick the right time of year to visit to make sure we don't have big lines. And she helped us pick the right hotel for our itinerary and our budget. She also gave us uh, great recommendations when it came to scheduling our parks, our dining reservations, and the attractions. These days, it feels like there's a lot that goes into planning a Disney trip, and there's a lot that we just didn't know about Disney World, and we're just so thankful for Jackie's advice and making it all a little bit easier. Yeah, when we got to the property, we, we realized we wanted to add on another park day, so we texted Jackie early in the morning, and she got back to us right away, and that really helped us make it happen. We had some amazing meals and drinks. We went to Cinderella's Royal Table. We went to Oga's Cantina. We rode Rise of the Resistance without waiting on a long line. And on Jackie's recommendation, we saw the Epcot fireworks from the Skyliner. This was an unforgettable family trip to Disney World, and Jackie made it happen. Thank you, Jackie. So if you would like completely free assistance planning your Disney vacation, perhaps you would like to check out the aforementioned Disney Studios yourself uh, and plan a trip out to California and see Disneyland. We've done the tour. We've done Disneyland. Uh, I would love to tell you about our experience and help you plan it for yourself. So you can get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets at Monoreal Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email me directly at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, -Z at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. Hi, this is Kelly from Carmen Kismet, your official Monorail news sponsor. And I am very excited to throw it over to Sean and Jackie to talk all about the Disney news. But before I do that, I want to make sure that I share with you guys where you can check out all of my Disney-inspired art at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. Don't forget, listeners of the show get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout to see all of Kelly's products, all of her services, all of her art. It is online at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. That's Karma, the letter N, KismetDesigns.com. Let's talk about breaking the internet. Um, We kind of skewered the Peter Pan and Wendy trailer on last week's episode of Monoreal Radio. Not kind of. <clears throat> Skewered was the exact word that I was going to use. <laughs> Deservedly so. So as soon as we turned the mics off last week, Sean was actually editing the show and mixing it down. And I went to let Walt outside and I started flipping through my phone and I saw the poster for Haunted Mansion with the information that the trailer was going to be released the next day. And I went, 
Oh, no. The trailer drop. I We were so nervous. So nervous. This is the most excited mm-hmm. I have been for a Disney film since Endgame. I don't wow. think I have been this excited for a movie to come out of this studio in a really long time. Like, I've been excited for movies, but I have not been this excited for something coming from Disney other than maybe The Mandalorian. Because it's just such a well-done trailer. And we're going to break it down, but to your point, like, I'm excited for Guardians 3, but I was going to be excited for Guardians 3 no matter what. The trailer had no bearing on that. And while the trailer's good... It didn't have my wheels spinning with like, what's going to happen? Or like, what is this scene right now? Like, it's just, okay, great. Guardians 3 is here. This raised so many questions, but it it just looks so darn good. My mind is blown. Um, Starting off very strong for me, um, we get the little hidden Mickey Easter egg in the lock on the gate. Um, The same locks that they have on Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride. So I thought that was very cool. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that they gave us the mansion and they showed it is going to be the Disneyland mansion. I really thought that it was just going to be all interiors and that was going to be left until the next, because this is still considered a teaser. Um, and we haven't seen all of the characters just yet, so clearly they're going to give us more, but I thought that was something that they were going to hold. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. And I feel like for the era and the setting it looks like they're going to use, I think Disneyland totally makes sense. I love that they're doing the Pirates of the Caribbean thing where yes. you are really leaning into the creepy and the comedy will be there to make it lighthearted enough so that it is still a family film. But this reminds me so much of The Curse of the Black Pearl and the ghost story element behind it. The cast looks great. The trail, like, they did everything about it. They knocked it out of the park. And I think this is why it's one of the best trailers we've seen from Disney since Endgame. To your point, Guardians 3... When we found out that they were going to do Rocket's origin story, it's like, oh, so we're going to see experiments and then he's going to die. Like, it's just, you know, before you see the trailer, what it's going to be. And to your point, Guardians is so beloved that anything you give us Guardians related is going to excite us. I was so, I'm not even going to say cautiously optimistic. I was so hesitant to the idea of them doing a Haunted Mansion movie, as much as I think that we needed one, um, as much as the Eddie Murphy one really didn't do it any justice, I felt like once they did uh, Muppet Haunted Mansion, it was like, well, it's not going to get any better than this. So maybe we just leave well enough alone. And because anything, for the most part, that has not been Disney animation or Marvel's related have just been stinker after stinker. I really had no hope at all for this film. So the fact that the trailer is as good as it is has me going to 11 on the hype meter. Yeah, same. I really like what you said about Pirates, that it is going to be primarily a ghost story, but they're going to lighten it with comedy as opposed to just leaning into the comedy like they did with Eddie Murphy and that was a slippery slope to just becoming hokey and bad um there were rumors that this was going to be Guillermo del Toro um so I knowing that um I figured they weren't going to shy away from the spookiness of it. Guillermo del Toro is not directing this one. It's Justin Simeon. But what I am so happy about is that they did not shy away from the scares. And they are showing us up front what they're going to be. I want to talk about predictions because everybody loves Haunted Mansion. Everybody's got a lot to say. I'm hearing a lot of really cool ideas on TikTok. Um, for me though, 
what I really like is that they are showing Constance materialize more and more throughout even just the trailer. And we haven't even seen Jamie Curtis as Le- Madame Leota yet, at least not in the um, fortune teller form. Right. Uh, we get a very teeny tiny glimpse of the Hatbox ghost, but we don't see Jared Leto yet. We don't see Winona Ryder. So they are still holding back a lot. Um, but I love this idea that we are building Constance back together. One of the things I noticed that I'm not hearing a lot of people talking about to me, the more Constance gets quite literally fleshed out, she starts to look more and more like Rosario Dawson. And I am wondering if that's going to be the story is that she's called back home and now she's like luring people into the mansion. Because if you look at the clothes, I think they are going for period piece, but I feel like some of the wardrobe is also more contemporary. So I can't really tell if we're getting flashbacks or this is going to be like an overtime sort of a thing. Um, But I'm not convinced that Rosario Dawson and her child in this film are really people and that they're not ghosts. And I love, love, love what they are doing incorporating these portraits. I feel like we're going to get a lot of fun characters and we're going to see a lot of portrait backstories, which I am super excited about. Yeah, I think if the whole idea of this is that they are luring people back to the house so that they can take their souls or their entity or whatever it is you want to call it. To the be- one more. To become real again. Like, I- I'm all about it. Like, I don't want to make any more predictions either than that, other than that because you kind of hit on what I feel they're going to do. So at this point, it's just echoing you, so it's kind of a waste of time. But if they knock this out of the park, I think that it's going to give Pirates of the Caribbean a run for its money in terms of... Yep best Disney attraction converted into film. I think it's certainly, as it stands right now, it's certainly better than any of the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Like, now, this movie could be a total letdown, but on surface value, I think it's going to be better than any of the sequels, and I think it's going to give Pirates a run for its money. I am so super excited for this. What I don't quite understand is why Disney hasn't figured it out yet. You make a movie like Haunted Mansion, similar to how you make a movie like Hocus Pocus, although Hocus Pocus was a lower-budget film. Say, Say whatever you want. To me, these are Halloween movies. I don't understand why you're releasing it in July. Other than you're hoping that the theatrical run ends early enough so that you can release it on Disney Plus by October 1st in time for the Halloween season. That's the only logic I can come up with as to why they are releasing it. And it's not like it's 4th of July weekend. I think it's July 28th. Like, it's not their big summer release. It's just odd that they're burying this at the end of July. I, I don't I don't get it. I think you're right. I think that they are trying to do the theatrical run so that it's timed out to release uh, in time for Halloween on Disney+. Plus. So end of July would make sense for that. I'm also wondering if there's another... Because people forget about this now because we're all so obsessed with streaming. You always had the major studios releasing big films on the same week. They would pit each other. They they would pit themselves up against each other. Right. So I'm wondering if there's another film like if Universe is that when Nintendo comes out? No, oh, that's Super coming Mario? out. That's coming out soon. They're doing like press for it now. I thought the Super Mario movie was. I thought that was the Memorial Day release. Perhaps, but. My point is there might be another big studio release that we're overlooking at the moment that they are trying to pit Haunted Mansion up because, you know, obviously we've we've been talking about it is that theater attendance is down because streaming is so popular and these studios are, are looking for box office dollars. I don't think it's just about getting your box office dollars anymore. I think it's that you want to have, you know, that box office title of we were the best movie this weekend. And I'm, I'm wondering if the focus is shifting back to that. So it might be that there is another big studio release that they're trying to go up against that weekend. It still doesn't make sense that it's not a holiday weekend, but um, yeah, I, I'm, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just so jazzed by this trailer. I, I must've watched it 
like 15 times. I haven't been this excited for a movie in a while. And what excites me most is that I feel like Disney is finally listening to the fans again. Because I feel like this is a love letter to the ride. I feel like it's a love letter to the fans. And I feel like between this and we didn't even talk about this because it broke right after a show. Things like Rogers the Musical, it shows that they're paying attention again, which is super exciting. We want to know what you have to say about the Haunted Mansion trailer. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. We just gave you that social media. We are on TikTok as well at Monoreal Radio. I just gave you the email address. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. We have a dockside chat dropping in a couple of days, so make sure you uh, you are subscribed so that you are the first to hear that Dockside chat. It's going to be an action-packed one for sure. We have a lot to talk about on that show, and for links to everything related to the show, it is going to be online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.